0: How did the 10-gallon hat get its name?
1: And the first
0: Bible in America was published in what language?
1: Answers to those and other questions coming up in this episode of The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Welcome to the Off-Ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and get some perspective on life. Marcia, we've heard this term for years in cowboy movies, a 10-gallon hat. Yeah. What did you just assume that meant? Maybe it was a Texas brag that a hat could hold 10 gallons of water?
0: Four quarts didn't sound cool, so they'd say one gallon. So where do you you (laughs)
1: think it came from? What do you think that had?
0: Yeah, it does sound like it would hold a gallon of dirt or something. So what is it?
1: Well, you know, I was thinking about this. We were in a restaurant recently where there were sombreros hanging on the wall, and the Freemans and the Kubishes were with us. Just that day, I had learned that those hats were originally called galons, G-A-L-O-N-S. Oh, really? Yeah. Galon means braid. The braid that runs around the base of a cowboy hat is where the 10-gallon hat got its name, and the original spelling was G A L O N. But some Mexican cowboys wore as many as 10 of those braids on their sombreros. So they were 10-gallon
0: hats. Oh, that's cool. That's very intriguing. Yeah,
1: 10-gallon hats, G-A-L-O-N. And that spelling later became corrupted to gallon, spelled with two L's. Just in case you wondered, a 10-gallon hat only holds three-quarters of a gallon of water if you want to ruin it.
0: (laughs) All (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay, here's a quickie. What language was the first Bible published in America? What language was it in? I think I know the answer Good. to this. Well, Isn't it the
1: Algonquin Indian language?
0: Did you get this in your Religions of the World class in college? No, no. I,
1: <laughs> I just remembered this was uh, such an ironic thing. Yeah. That was the first Bible published in the United States. It was right. published in that Indian language, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So when was that first published?
0: Somewhere between 1660 and 1663, the year you were born.
1: <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> Wow, can you believe that? And a missionary, I believe, did that, right? Yes. Okay, I have a question for you, Mm Marsha. What popular American car was named after a famous race car driver? Now, this driver is long gone, but the name lives on. Uh, What
0: a popular American car?
1: What popular American car, what brand, was named after a a famous race car driver?
0: Well, we know it isn't (laughs) Etzel. He wasn't a race car driver either. I don't know, the Trans Am? Uh no. Um, the, um, the Bonneville?
1: Those are lines of cars. Those okay. are Pontiacs you're talking about. Okay. Okay, I'll give you a hint. Okay. It's one of the General Motors brands. Oh, that
0: tells me I'm terrible at knowing who General Motors cars are. Oh, I really? really don't know. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right, it's the Chevrolet. Okay. Chevrolet was named after a Swiss American race car driver, Louis Chevrolet, who came to the U.S. in 1901. In 1911, he was 32 years old and he teamed up with former General Motors head W.C. Durant to produce the first Chevrolet motor car. They were produced in a New York plant at 57th Street and 11th Avenue. That's where the first Chevrolet came from. And then, of course, General Motors acquired all kinds of other cars, cars made prior to GM being formed. See, they were all absorbed into this corporation. Chevy, Pontiac, Oldsmobile, Buick, Cadillac, and GMC trucks. That was what I remember. <laughs> that was the hierarchy of of yeah,
0: costs. I know the
1: Chevrolet was the most reasonable, and then the, the Cadillacs on top. What did
0: your parents have?
1: They had Chevrolets. What did your parents have?
0: Uh, a Chevrolet. When I got older, though, they had a Pontiac, so they were moving up.
1: Okay, moving to the on big up. Time. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, your dad had that Pontiac when he we first got married. sold it
0: to me for a couple of hundred. And that
1: V8, boy, you just barely pressed down on that. Uh, oh, I,
0: you didn't press down. It went by itself. That's
1: right. It just charged ahead. <laughs> it just had a mind of its own. All right. What do carob seeds and diamonds have in common?
0: Um, carob seeds and diamonds? Carob,
1: C A R O B, and yeah. diamonds. I don't know. The carrot, C-A-R-A-T, a -A a standard unit of measurement for diamonds, the carrot was originally based on the weight of a carob seed.
0: Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's clever.
1: Just, you know, some word trivia there.
0: Okay, since you took two questions, I'll take two. Okay. All right. Here's a quickie. Which leading man rejected the role of Han Solo? Was it Mel Gibson, Al Pacino, or Dustin Hoffman?
1: Wow, I can't imagine Dustin Hoffman going in outer space. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Han Solo
1: I'd say it's Al Pacino
0: Good guess, correct He's kind of cute for that He would have been But now he's such a, a Corleone That you can't think of him as That's right. Han Solo Okay I want to give him a galaxy they can't refuse <laughs> that, was, that was his father All right, here's a word origin I have two of them today mm-hmm. And uh, you'll like them, I think Especially the second one What is the origin, Bob, of the word paraphernalia?
1: Paraphernalia Para, what does para mean? Para means partial, right? Paraphernalia. Phenalia?
0: It, uh, it's Greek for beside.
1: Beside, okay. Beside,
0: I don't know, paraphernalia. And f- for an A, and that's Greek for dowry. So medieval Roman law said that when a young woman married, her dowry became the legal property of her legal husband. You know, like my dad gave you all my worldly goods.
1: It <laughs> <laughs> didn't work in our case, did okay. it?
0: Okay. But the other stuff, the stuff that wasn't in the dowry, was the paraphernalia, or the goods besides the dowry. And the lady got to keep that. The, oh, no kidding. Yeah, the side stuff that wasn't in the dowry. So like
1: the collateral, you might call that, the thing surrounding. Yeah,
0: probably like china cups or, you know, little (laughs) treasure, little treasures, Lace
1: doilies. Yeah, you can have them. Yeah. You can have them, babe. Yeah. I get the money.
0: Yeah, you get the money.
1: Wow. So that's where the term paraphernalia come. Yeah. And it referred, so it was like a legal term that meant everything other than the The money. The dowry. The (laughs) dowry. Just harsh, wasn't it?
0: Uh Uh-huh. Okay, what do you got?
1: Where was America's first apple orchard?
0: Well, does it go back to Johnny Appleseed?
1: No, it's before that. That was uh, Mr. Chapman who came through the southern Ohio area where my folks were born.
0: Yes, Johnny.
1: Yeah, John Chapman.
0: Okay, so this was before, of course, he had to get his apple seeds from somewhere. I'll say Maine.
1: This goes back 400 years, and it's the right coast, but the wrong state. Well, I'm close. What is it? It's in Boston, Massachusetts. Ah. That's where the first apple orchard was, the first cultivated apples in the United States. Did we have wild apples? There were apples there, but the ones that took root, so to speak, were the ones that came on the boat. This is in 1623. They were planted in the Beacon Hill neighborhood of Boston, but at the time, it was the land of the Massachusett tribe.
0: That was the name of the Indian tribe? Uh
1: M-A-S-S-A-C-H-U-S-E-T-T tribe. There were apples in the New World, but the ancestors of the fruit we eat today actually originated in Central Asia. This is an interesting voyage here. They originated in Central Asia. They entered Europe through the Silk Road, and then they were brought to North America on ships by Europeans. And then the settlers in Massachusetts developed some of the famous first varieties of apples. Have you ever heard of the Roxbury Russet?
0: No. That's
1: the first colonial apple. It's considered an heirloom apple today. You can still find them. They still grow.
0: Is that why they call them heirloom? Because heirloom. because they go back to the first apples in America.
1: Because they were the first cultivated. You know, oh. the first as a breed or what as does a that groom? we like?
0: Honeycrisp, right?
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> but the heirloom apples, the Roxbury Russet, goes back to the mid 1600s. And then uh, another fruit still grown today is the bluish maroon colored Blue Permain developed in the late 1700s. So those all came from that apple orchard in Boston, Massachusetts. So that's where it was.
0: All right. All right. This info, Bob, comes to you directly from the United States Social Security website. All right. <laughs> Can you name any of the top five names of men or women that were the most popular and the most used over the past one hundred years?
1: Well, Robert, of course. It is, is uh, number two. Very, very Really? Yeah. Number two. Yeah. John is probably one. That's three. Three? Mhm. Okay. Michael? Four. So there were a lot of biblical names. Yeah. Andrew, Thomas, names like that?
0: James, Robert, John, Michael, and David. Over 100 years, still the most popular. Not necessarily in that order at all times. It changes uh, from year to year, but overall, that's the most used name. Okay, women?
1: Okay, those similarly. Probably Mary?
0: Right, number one.
1: Uh, Margaret, is that one? Uh, no. Okay,
0: Elizabeth? Yes, that's number five. Okay, Joyce? Joyce? No, these three are going to be hard to get, the two, three, and four. Harriet, Hilda, and no, okay. <laughs> Hildegard. Uh, it's Patricia, Jennifer, and Linda. Oh, really? Yeah, so the five top names, the last hundred years for women, Mary, Patricia, Jennifer, Linda, and Elizabeth.
1: Isn't it interesting? I never think of Jennifer as being an old name.
0: Me either. I mean.
1: Linda, I could see all of those others. Sure, All right, some animal questions, Marcia. Oh, all right. What animal carries her babies nearly two years before they are born? Elephants. That's exactly right. Yes. They carry their babies longer than any other animal, 20 to 22 months. Can you imagine being pregnant that long? No. And the average female elephant has an average of how many calves during her lifetime?
0: Oh, gosh. Not that many, I wouldn't think, if it's a couple of years to do it. um, I'll say Four, Four.
1: that's right. Four calves. Wow. So they're carrying four calves two years apiece. Wow, that's a lot. And twins are rare. A newborn elephant calf weighs about what?
0: I'll say 400 pounds.
1: 200 pounds and it stands about three feet tall.
0: Okay, 200. Yeah, that's plenty. I would give birth to a 400 pound baby I don't think so
1: then when elephants get uh, to be complete size they can consume up to 500 pounds of food and 60 gallons of water a day, a day. <laughs> oh my god uh,
0: uh, that's more than you and me
1: I <laughs> know okay, it's hard Combined.
0: to believe. <laughs> oh wow I okay. got some
1: more elephant questions too so.
0: all right well you save them I got some biggies here <laughs> what is the origin of the word pedigree you know what a pedigree is right
1: it's the lineage basically. Uh huh. Yeah, of a dog or a person. Uh huh. Uh, See, animal pedigree, pedigree. So it's degree, peda, meaning something. I don't know what is it.
0: Well, you're right about the peda. What does it stand for? Foot. Yeah. Okay. It's from the French word pied de grue. It translates to the foot of a crane.
1: The foot of a crane.
0: Correctly. Apparently, the French thought the look of a genealogy chart, small at the top and branched out at the bottom, looked more like the web foot of a bird than the roots of a tree. Okay. So, any Frenchman who came from a family prominent to have a family tree was said to have a pied de grue. The uh, foot of a crane. The foot of a crane. Yeah, because it all branched out at the bottom there. Sounds
1: almost like it's an insult, doesn't it? Yes. See? <laughs> Your tree looks like the foot of a crane. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: See, or I wear the tree of life around my neck, and look at it. It doesn't, uh, no. you, you don't see a foot of It a doesn't crane look
1: there. like the foot of a crane. Okay, <laughs> another animal. We know the Bible says Jonah was swallowed by the whale in the famous story, but have there been any accounts of whales swallowing men or women in modern times?
0: Modern times, Yes. All right, when? Well, Pinocchio was one. Pinocchio? That's not even a real person. (laughs) Says who? All right. In
1: 1891, an English whaler was reportedly swallowed by a sperm whale. He lived in its belly unconscious for
0: 24 hours. Really? Well, he must have come out.
1: Supposedly survived, yeah. But accounts indicate he suffered a temporary unbalanced mind and permanently bleached skin. Geez. When was that? That was in 1891. And in 1894, a sailor was less fortunate after being swallowed. He was found later dead and partially digested. But Okay, well. whales have actually swallowed people over the centuries.
0: Have you ever played bridge, Bob? Once, <laughs> I think. So within 500 or so, how many hands of bridge can be dealt from one pack of cards? How many different hands can be dealt?
1: Different combinations?
0: Yeah. I don't know. Just take a guess.
1: 150.
0: Well, I said within 500. Oh, my so goodness. So it goes higher than that. Okay.
1: okay. 725.
0: Well, that's really close.
1: 850.
0: 600 billion.
1: Oh, my goodness. Combination. Come on. No, it.
0: it I saw the algebraic uh, formulation for this, and... Uh, it is pretty astronomical just think of that that's hard to believe 600 billion possible combinations in a hand of bridge
1: well it's considered a very skilled sport to play there are all kinds of national and international organizations that award prizes and
0: is it a lot of like in chess a lot of analytical thinking or uh... apparently
1: some people do it for competition one of our CEOs, uh, the company I used to work for, his wife, I found out in her obituary, was a world-class bridge player. So oh, had okay. certified by some organization. I had no idea that anything was like that. I think <laughs> we should take a break now. <laughs> okay. We'll be back with more in just a moment. You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob. And me. <laughs> and me, Smith. We'll be back. All right, we're back. Bob Smith and Marcia Smith with The Off-Ramp. The podcast dedicated to insatiable curiosity and lifelong learning. (laughs) I have a question for you. If you went to the highest altitude town in the world, what country would it be in? Peru, Kenya, Switzerland, or Australia?
0: Oh, I'll say Switzerland.
1: I would have thought that too. It's not. Peru. It's Peru. It's the town of La Rinconada.
0: You say that beautifully.
1: Thank you. You're welcome. It's located more than 16,000 feet above sea level in the Peruvian Andes. 30,000 people live there. Really? That's amazing. The thin air and frigid temperatures make life difficult. It was founded as a gold mining camp. It continues to grow as more people go there in hopes of finding gold. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Highest altitude town, 16,000 feet. That's What's pretty high. What's name of the city again? La Rinconada, pretty. R-I-N-C-O-N-A-D-A. La Rinconada.
0: That's a pretty name. Coming down to Earth, we live in the Midwest, right, Bob? In the down- United States. Yes, in the United States. With our global listeners, we have to specify we are in the middle of the United States. So, can we, Bob, you and I, walk to Russia from our house?
1: Can we walk to Russia? Do we want to walk to Russia from our house? Huh? <laughs> right
0: out the front door. Uh, just keep right on a minute. Walking. Isn't there a town called Russia in Wisconsin? That's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, oh, we could. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. The country of Russia. Oh,
1: we oh. have to make this clear to our global listeners, <laughs> yes, Marsha, yes. that we're and talking we about have, another country. We do
0: have a fair amount of global listeners. Yes, so. we do. So yes, but no.
1: Then I guess the answer must be yes, because you keep pressing me on this, but I don't know how that's possible.
0: Well, it's possible because... At the Bering Straits, there's only two and a half miles of water between the two islands, Russia-owned and American-owned. And when it freezes in the winter, you can walk over.
1: Wow, okay. Between the two islands. You can do that. Yeah. All right. So,
0: you heard it here first.
1: I I guess I did. (laughs) Okay, Marcia, you know, we had some questions recently about the history of computer dating. Yes. And I've got another one today. Okay. How did a shower and a foggy bathroom Revolutionize online dating. A shower and a, a foggy, foggy bathroom. bathroom,
0: which means you could uh, you could leave messages in the mirror,
1: right? If you're on the right trail. It does have to do with a foggy mirror. Okay, tell me. It's how the Tinder swipe was invented.
0: Oh, that makes sense. That app
1: was launched in 2012, and you swipe to the right to like profiles, and you swipe the left to move on. Critics say that Tinder, you know, made dating a game with that kind of uh-huh. thing. You know, kind of cruel. Well. Tinder co-founder Jonathan Bedeen says from the beginning he had a nagging desire to gamify dating profiles. He was in the shower one day and he got out and he realized he'd forgotten to turn on the bathroom fan. And so the mirror was all Foggy. Foggy. So he wiped the mirror clean in two different directions, and that's when he was inspired, oh, I could do this with the app. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah, how about that?
0: Yeah. That's... So uh,
1: today, Tinder uses the swipe 1.4 billion times a day across 196 countries. So that's a global it application. It sure is.
0: <laughs> All right. Bob, besides water, what do we need to have an ocean tide?
1: Besides water, what do we need to have an ocean tide? <laughs> yeah. Well, we need the moon. That's it. Because the moon basically pulls the the water back and forth, doesn't it? That's
0: right. No moon, no tide. The gravitational pull generates something called the tidal force. And the tidal force causes Earth and its water to bulge out on the side closest to the moon and the side farthest from the moon. These bulges of water are high tides. I've always found that interesting. It is. So if we didn't have a moon, we wouldn't have the tide.
1: If we didn't have tide, we wouldn't have clean laundry. Okay. <laughs> what mountain range, Marsha, has the most unclimbed mountains?
0: You're not giving me any multiple choice. I'll say the Andes.
1: I'll give you some choices then. The Andes? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> the Himalayan Mountains, the okay. Alps, the Rocky Mountains.
0: Okay, I'll say. Which
1: range has the most unclimbed mountains?
0: I'll say the Rockies.
1: That's a good one. That's a big, long mountain range. goes up through Canada, down through the United States. But no.
0: How <laughs> uh, the uh, what are the other? Two? I'm
1: not going to repeat those, okay. Marsh. No, All right. okay. It the Himalayans, the Alps, and the Rockies.
0: Okay, I'll say the Alps. No. Okay, one more guess The okay. Himalayans Oh, you got it right, Marcia
1: <laughs> Yes, the Himalayans Mount Everest is the highest mountain peak in the world But it's easier to reach than others in the Himalayans, believe it or not So the most unclimbed mountains are where the highest mountain is in the world The Himalayans
0: All right, okay, Bob Let's get more What? Profound Oh, jeez <laughs> Where did the first knock-knock joke appear?
1: Oh, dear. Gosh, this must go back hundreds of years. First knock-knock joke. Maybe. So it's not from the... uh, Wait a minute. Is it from the British or American traditions? That's my question.
0: (laughs) I'm asking the questions here, Bob.
1: (laughs) Is it from the British or American... What kind of clue do I get?
0: Okay. Ask
1: the man who's always asked to give clues.
0: (laughs) Okay. It's from England.
1: Is it possible? It goes back to William.
0: It does.
1: William Shakespeare.
0: Can you name the work?
1: So one of Shakespeare's plays has a knock knock joke.
0: It's a no. knock knock phrase. I don't know if it's exactly a joke, but it's the least likely of his work you'd think of it. It's Macbeth.
1: No kidding.
0: Hardly <laughs> a, a laugh a minute.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: But it's knock knock. Who's there? I, the name of beelzebub <laughs> <laughs>
1: And that was a big, that got a big laugh back in the day, I'll take it. And
0: it wasn't, Bob, until the 1900s that they became more of a joke and funny with such gems as Knock Knock. Who's there? Rufus. Rufus who? Rufus, the most important part of your house.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. What Canadian province is home to that country's only desert? So I'm giving you four. Oh, thank you. The Yukon, New Brunswick, Manitoba, or British Columbia?
0: I'll say manitoba
1: it's british columbia okay i believe it's the okanagan desert there it's considered canada's only desert it's not exactly a sprawling sea of sand though it's over 19 square miles so compare that to 3.5 million square miles in the sahara desert british columbia that's where canada's only desert is
0: interesting okay what is the Antikythera mechanism You know what that is?
1: That's in my watch.
0: It's right (laughs) behind the, no, I don't know. The what again? The Antikythera Mechanism, K-Y-T-H-E-R-A.
1: Antikythera Mechanism. Hmm, it sounds like it's mechanical.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: So I'd say it's a feat of engineering. Yes. How long ago was it, though?
0: Believe it or not. It's a form of a computer from ancient Greece. Oh, no kidding. 2,000 years ago, the mechanism is one of the most astounding archaeological finds in history. It was discovered within ruins of ancient Greco-Roman shipwreck in 1900 by sponge divers. Excuse it has me. different
1: dials and wheels?
0: Yeah. It was brought to the surface the following year as part of the world's first major underwater excavation. And it wasn't until the 1950s that scientists figured out how the remaining parts of this mechanism were used. They weren't all there, so it just sort of sat around for 50 years. And it was about the size of a mantle clock, and the mechanism was full of dozens of gears with a handle on the size. Uh And when the handle turned, the device calculated eclipses, moon phases, the movements of the five visible planets, and more
1: that's amazing
0: isn't it 2,000 years old
1: that they had that kind of a device a mechanical device yeah. that they were using to determine all those things
0: it even included a dial for the timing of ancient Olympics and religious festivals
1: I think they have actually used uh, um, you know some kind of scanning technology like you know x-ray oriented or MRI cat scans to actually go behind the scenes and see what it really looks like inside because it was all kind of they had barnacles all yeah, around it yeah I believe. it took them
0: forever to figure out what it was but once they got it Cleaned up. And what's the name of it again, Marsh? The Antikythera Mechanism.
1: The Antikythera Mechanism. Mm -hmm. Okay, Marsha, back to two new word questions for you. All right. Where do these come from? Go haywire. Go haywire. What does it mean?
0: It means something goes wrong. Is that when the wire around the haystack isn't working anymore and the hay falls out?
1: You're right. Haywire was a wire for baling hay. In addition to tying up bundles, haywire was used to fix and hold things together in a makeshift way on farms. Haywire became a term for any kind of malfunctioning thing. The fact that the wire itself got easily tangled when it was unspooled contributed to the messed up meaning of the word.
0: Yeah, I get good credit for that answer.
1: You do get credit, but what about this one, Marsh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't care.
1: Okay, I'll give you credit for Just that good one. good
0: job. Just uh, throw me a bone. Bob. Good job, Marcia. <laughs> good job. Here's a little treat for you there.
1: Okay, Marcia. Here's another one. On the carpet. When you get called on the carpet. Yes. What does that expression mean? What does it come from? It means
0: you're being dressed down.
1: Right, right.
0: Okay. So what the origins of that called on the carpet, well... Uh, In the uh, Queen and King days, only they had a little carpet under their thrones. And if you were called on the carpet, you had some dues to pay. That's right. You got it, yes. Wow, am I good at this? You're very
1: close. You got it almost exactly right. Carpet originally meant a thick cloth that could be placed on anything. So carpet could be on the floor, uh, on the bed, or on the table. And usually that was only wealthy people could afford cloths or carpet. The image most people have associated with this phrase is when where a servant or an employee is called to the fancier part of the house where there's carpet. <laughs> so you're called on the carpet because something's wrong. But the origin on the carpet actually goes back to the tablecloth meaning. When there was an issue for discussion by some kind of official or counsel, it was on the carpet. It's on the table for yeah. us to discuss. Well, that
0: makes perfect sense.
1: So you know you can tell where both of those came from. Only the rich people could afford the carpet.
0: <laughs> My last question I just stole off of uh, public radio this morning on a quiz show.
1: Uh, what you're supposed to say is I sourced it from. Okay, Marcia. I sourced. We don't steal it. <laughs> things here. That's wrong. I sourced it from. And you were attributing where it came from. Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. Here's the one I stole. No. (laughs) Recently, Bob, 2,800 employees from Peloton got laid off.
1: Mm. You
0: remember Peloton? Oh,
1: yeah. Very big in COVID. But after that, uh, sales went down. People went back to the gyms.
0: Yeah. They were laid off, fired. Let's just call it what it is.
1: Called on the carpet first, though. (laughs) (laughs) Then they were fired.
0: And What was the unusual thing that they got in their departing package? A one-year free subscription to their Peloton app so they could watch people that were still employed by Peloton <laughs> oh, dear. give them exercise. <laughs> oh, That's just insensitive, isn't it? Give them one year and it's $40 a month. So that ain't cheap. I know. But somebody
1: wasn't thinking when they yeah, did that. And
0: it's yeah. If they're making fun of it on public radio, you know, you've done bad. <laughs> oh,
1: man, I guess. All right, Marcia, beat around the bush. What about that expression? Where does <laughs> well, that come from? We got a from?
0: lot of these today. Yeah. Beat around the bush. Well, let's see. In the good old days, you had to beat the bush to see if there were any animals in there hiding to eat you. And so... Well, you uh, got to write animals are involved.
1: And you're close again. I'll give you this one too, Marcia. Thank you. Good, good job.
0: job. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the common phrase is thought to have originated in response to game hunting in Britain... While hunting birds, participants would beat the bushes to draw out the birds. So you could kill them. Therefore, they were beating around the bush before getting to the main point of the hunt, actually Uh, capturing the birds. that
0: makes infinitely good sense.
1: That's where it comes from. Sad
0: and sadistic, but good sense.
1: And you've earned points today (laughs) for your sad and sadistic (laughs) understanding of human nature. Very good, Marsh.
0: All right. I have a a wrap-up quote from the beloved Dalai Lama. Okay. And it is... Love and compassion are necessities, not luxuries. Without them, humanity cannot survive. That's true. It is.
1: We need more of those. Yes, right in this household,
0: mister. What?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're the one who has a great understanding of the sadism of human beings,
0: not me. Love and compassion. Okay, Okay. good job. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's it for today. Okay. I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. Join us again next time
1: when we return with more fascinating facts and tantalizing trivia here on The Off-Ramp. The Off-Ramp, the Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio Online and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarbrook, Wisconsin.